This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, October 14th, 2021 on KUAF, a listener-supported service of the University of Arkansas. Good afternoon. I'm Kyle Kellams. Ahead on our show, there is, even as we go deeper into October, still outdoor music scheduled for this weekend. Timothy Dennis will give us a rundown of all the live music, both in and out of doors, for the next six days. That's coming up in today's second half hour. Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson says he isn't pleased with bills passed by the Arkansas legislature earlier this month regarding COVID-19 and congressional redistricting, but he says he will not veto those bills. The governor says he'll let them become law without his signature. He says Senate Bill 739 and House Bill 1977 that allow substitution of testing or proof of immunity instead of vaccination at the workplace were not appropriate bills to be considered in an extended general session. Substantively, uh, beyond that, these bills are unnecessary, and the debate on these bills have been harmful to our goal of increasing vaccination rates in Arkansas. For those reasons, uh, I will not sign the bills into law. I will allow them to become law without my signature. The governor says he understands the bills are designed to push back on President Joe Biden's vaccine mandates for federal contractors and employers with more than 100 employees. The governor says he disagrees with those mandates, but the state legislature has placed Arkansas business owners in a tough spot between federal and state governments. The governor will also allow the congressional redistricting map passed by the legislature to become law without a signature, but he says he is concerned about the impact the new maps will have on minority populations. He says his decision will allow challenges to the map to proceed through the courts. There are 694 new cases of COVID-19 in yesterday's report from the Arkansas Department of Health and another 19 confirmed deaths in Arkansas from the disease. Arkansas children aged 5 to 11 may be eligible to receive the COVID-19 vaccine next month. Arkansas's Health Secretary, Dr. Jose Romero, made the announcement at Governor Asa Hutchinson's weekly press briefing yesterday. This comes after Pfizer submitted research to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to seek approval for children getting vaccinated. Dr. Romero said during the winter COVID-19 surge in Arkansas, data showed there was a 94 percent increase in the number of children hospitalized with diseases because of COVID-19. The largest number of cases occurred, that is the biggest jump of cases occurred, in that 5 to 11-year-old group. So that group will now have, we hope, uh, if the FDA and the ACIP rule in favor of using that uh, vaccine, we'll have that availability next month. And we should be stressing to our parents that that opportunity will be available also. If approved, Dr. Romero says this opportunity will be available at local health units, physicians' offices, and pharmacies. Planned Parenthood Great Plains is launching what the group calls an aggressive campaign in Arkansas to combat any possible anti-abortion legislation similar to a measure passed in Texas this year. The group says it has hired additional organizing and communication staff to help defeat such a bill and will reach out to thousands of Arkansans in an effort to stop such legislation. And the University of Arkansas Fort Smith is reaching out to the more than 300 students enrolled in the now-closed Vista College campus in Fort Smith. Vista College abruptly closed earlier this week. UAFS will host an information and assistance session Wednesday afternoon from 3 to 4. Representatives from UAFS will be attending to answer questions about admissions, enrollment, and other academic matters. Vista College is a chain of trade schools with campuses across the country. This is Ozarks at Large. Residents of Hillcrest Towers, a recently renovated public housing project in Fayetteville, say a mold outbreak in the HVAC system there is causing health problems among certain tenants. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich brings us this report. Jennifer Cole is a resident of Hillcrest Towers, a 120-unit public housing apartment complex for low- to moderate-income families, seniors, and individuals with disabilities. So I've lived there seven years. It's a 
interesting and beautiful place to live. The location is amazing. Hillcrest Towers underwent a $3 million interior and exterior renovation completed last year with federal housing and urban development grant funding. The HVAC system was also upgraded. But since then, we've had a lot of condensation issues um, in about half the apartments, causing water on the walls and dripping on the floors. So, and uh, we need to figure that out because now it's causing mold. Cole has photographs revealing mold-covered HVAC vents, including in her apartment. I do, yeah. And actually, you can see these are brand new walls, brand new sheetrock, and you can see the, uh, the water damage from the condensation on the walls. She says the water condensation began a year ago. And that, but we just started noticing the mold about three months ago and reported it to the office immediately. She was told not to worry, she says. It was accumulated mildew and dust. So Cole, in late August, collected $150 from tenants to have the mold tested, sampled from HVAC exhaust vents and walls in three different apartments. Results so far provided by the test company, Mold Armor, documented four viable mold colonies. I feel it was helpful to get the test done. It was necessary because the office kept saying it wasn't mold, and at least here we have proof it was mold um, and also a hazardous mold. There's several hazardous mold. No stachybotrys, that's toxic black mold, has been found so far. Results do show the presence of aspergillus, which may cause allergies and lung infection, cladosporium, an allergen that can trigger asthma, penicillium, which can cause bronchitis and respiratory distress, and allergy-triggering alternaria spores known to be a cause of onset childhood asthma. Cole contacted the Fayetteville Housing Authority as well as the FHA board and city code enforcement requesting professional technical mold abatement. Our maintenance men came up and said, no, we don't need to do that. We can just clean it. And they started cleaning it with on the outside of the systems with a with a mold killer. So we're still breathing the mold. You just can't see it on the outside. And there's still condensation. Cole says a housing board member suggested she called the HVAC firm, which installed the system at Hillcrest, to investigate and resolve the problem. And I said, now, wait a minute. Why would I call? Cole says one reason why mold's growing inside Hillcrest's HVAC system is because the ducts were never properly upgraded during renovation. And for the people who have been breathing this, I mean, we have people who have lung cancer in the building. So the other thing is we are in stacks where if it's in my unit, but not necessarily in the unit upstairs or downstairs from me, they're still breathing it. We're sharing the same air system. The situation, she says, is causing distress among tenants. As you can hear, Cole, who uses a medical inhaler, is really congested. Yeah, so I have been having to take three times more the breathing medicine and allergy medicine since this has started. And I'm a heart patient, so I'm really concerned what that's going to do to me long term to be on these medicines. But I, yeah, I, my neighbors can hear it. My friends can hear it. When I walk to church, they're going, what's, what's wrong? You can't breathe. Are you okay? The disabled musician and cook devotes much of her time volunteering at St. Paul's Episcopal Church Community Kitchen, as well as a local food pantry. On one occasion, when we contacted her, she was donating blood. She says eight residents have told her the mold is making them sick. We queried the Fayetteville Housing Authority board chair, Melissa Terry, for an interview. She advised that the five-member board would be addressing the mold issue at their next meeting, which was last Thursday evening. All the commissioners are present, so we will call this meeting to order. After approving the agenda, another business, Audra Butler, Interim Deputy Director of Housing for FHA, read down a list of mold mitigation and abatement taking place at Hillcrest Towers. Um, ongoing, we are um, testing with rapid mold testing when mold is reported um, or possible mold is reported by a resident. Also ongoing is cleaning of uh, HVAC registers with mold control cleaner when suspected mold is reported by residents and as needed during monthly pest control. 
In September, we requested a copy of the list read by Butler. In August, chiller water was replaced and chemically treated to prevent fungal growth. Rapid mold testing has been deployed upon residents' requests, and condensate capture and control will be purchased and installed. In September, two HVAC companies were brought in to consult on water and mold issues, and most recently, an outside environmental firm conducted air quality and surface testing in Hillcrest Towers lobby and 10 units, both occupied and unoccupied. Samples have been sent to an independent lab for processing. Results are pending. We followed up after that meeting with Hillcrest resident Jennifer Cole by phone. I told them I want to thank you for taking these steps, finally, but, you know, I I still don't understand why it's taking three months to to move forward. So, uh, and I never really got an answer as to why it took three months. Cole's concerned with winter coming and residents shut in that health conditions inside Hillcrest Towers could worsen if left unabated. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. Any story or interview you hear on Ozarks at Large is shareable through email or social media. Just look for the links associated with the stories or interviews at ozarksatlarge.com. A $1 million grant will fuel research in some low-income Fort Smith neighborhoods. At the beginning of next year, an engineering professor at the University of Arkansas and community partners will establish seven stations in Fort Smith with electric bikes and e-scooters. These will be in neighborhoods where 65% of residents don't have a vehicle or access to reliable public transportation. The grant comes from the National Science Foundation. And the Frontier Metropolitan Planning Organization and the City of Fort Smith are teaming up on another study, this one backed by the University of Washington Urban Freight Lab. This study, labeled a micro-freight hub feasibility study, will explore how to connect urban freight logistics in North Fort Smith with neighborhood resources based on inclusive economic opportunities, improved health, environmental, and social outcomes. This in one of Fort Smith's historically marginalized low-income neighborhoods. We're working on stories about both of these studies and plan to have those ready for broadcast on Editions of Ozarks at Large next week. Telehealth became hugely popular during the pandemic, partly out of necessity, but polls show a majority of patients are eager to get off the screen and back into the doctor's office. There's just something that they gain, and I think the physician gains as well, about sitting down together. I'm Elsa Chang, the future of telehealth, this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. All Things Considered, every weekday from 3 to 6 on KUAF, and always available on the free KUAF app. The fall craft fairs are underway in northwest Arkansas. One of the oldest fairs, the Spanker Creek Farm Arts and Crafts Fair, actually began yesterday on West McNelly Road in Bentonville. It continues through Sunday. Actually, all of the fairs run through Sunday. Most of the others are opening today, including the fairs in War Eagle and Hinesville. Details about all the shows can be found at visitrogersarkansas.com. Phoenix Arts is hosting an artist talk tomorrow night at 7. It will feature the artists represented in the exhibition Resilient Together, the artist's journey through liminal space, which opened back on August 6th. The exhibition features the work of nine artists who committed to work together as a collective for the specific exhibition. Tomorrow night's talk is free. It's at the Phoenix Art Gallery in Miller Lodge on Skyline Drive on Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville. Masks will be required for those attending. KUAF is giving away tickets to see guitarist, singer-songwriter Gary Clark Jr. in concert Saturday, October 23rd at Walmart Amp and Rogers. Clark's most recent release, This Land, earned three Grammy Awards, including Best Contemporary Blues Album. Winners will be announced during the noon edition of Ozarks at Large on Friday, October 22nd. KUAF.com to register. The Northwest Arkansas Tech Summit is October 17th through the 20th. Presentations are virtual, and summiteers can watch remotely or join the in-person watch party at Record Downtown in Bentonville. Presenters include Dr. John Benevitz, CTO of 3M, and author of Sooner, Safer, Happier, John Smart. Complimentary access for educators, students, and entrepreneurs is available. NWATechSummit.com for tickets and more.
Arkansas's top law enforcement official is dedicating new funds to help respond to child abduction cases. Attorney General Leslie Rutledge announced this week her office is awarding $100,000 to the University of Arkansas System Criminal Justice Institute to go toward the state's Child Abduction Response Team, or CART. Dr. Cheryl May is director of the Criminal Justice Institute and says the funding is vital to continuing the statewide program's mission. The $100,000 funding that we're going to receive, that we have received, from General Rutledge will be used to expand CJI's role in ensuring Arkansas CART members receive the training and tools that are needed to be prepared and practiced to respond when any child in our state goes missing. Colleen Nick, whose daughter Morgan has been missing since 1995, says she hopes the program's continued success means better outcomes for parents of abducted children. Children are waiting on us, children we've never even met yet and never heard about will survive because of the incredible work that has been done by this team over the last several years. And and from the um, finances that you have pushed into this program, children will come home. The program consists of 12 local teams of law enforcement officers organized by the Arkansas State Police. It first began in 2018 after an initial infusion of cash from the state attorney general's office. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. I'm Paul Gatling. The Springdale Chamber of Commerce has dubbed the area west of Interstate 49 between the Don Tyson Parkway and U.S. Highway 412, the Care Corridor. The chamber coined that phrase because it's a growing area for medical services. You've got Arkansas Children's Northwest, Highlands Oncology Group, and Arkansas Blue Cross Blue Shield, all with new facilities in that area. There's also an 80,000-square-foot medical office building that recently opened next to the Children's Hospital. And coming in the next couple of years, UAMS is planning to build an $85 million orthopedic and sports medicine facility. You can add to that list a new location for Springdale nonprofit Children's Safety Center. It assists in children's sexual and physical abuse cases by coordinating the investigation, prosecution process, and treatment services. On Tuesday this week, the J.B. and John L. Hunt family announced a $3 million donation to the center. It's a lead gift for a $12.5 million capital campaign to support the construction of a new facility in Springdale's Care Corridor, south of Arvest Ballpark on Gene George Boulevard. Children's Safety Center said it has raised a little over $9 million towards the capital campaign. Groundbreaking is expected in April 2022. When construction is completed, the center will relocate from its downtown address on East Emma Avenue, where it leases space from the Jones Trust. That story is one of many you will find on our website, and you can read more at nwabusinessjournal.com. There's more news after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Earlier this month, the Democratic Party of Arkansas elected Grant Tenniel as its new chairman. Tennille is a former deputy chief of staff to Arkansas Governor Mike Beebe, a Democrat, and also served as the executive director of the Arkansas Economic Development Commission. Tennille was also on the communications staff early in his career for former Republican Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee. Tennille sat down recently for an interview with Roby Brock. I mentioned in your intro that you worked for a Democratic governor and a Republican governor, a Democrat most recently. Tell me why you are a Democrat. I'm a Democrat because I think Democrats are the party that fight for people um, that are committed to 
facts that support science and that work every day to try and improve everybody's life. All right, let's talk about the legislature. This legislative session, I'm not quite sure where to begin with this legislative session. I've spoken with Democratic legislators and Republican legislators this week um, who have found the session close to unbearable, quite frankly, with all of the tension that's been up there and over-the-top opinions. Um, I sometimes refer to it as performance art, not policy. Uh, Why are we where we are in the state of politics today, particularly in Arkansas? I think that because of the rise of President Trump and his followers, that some people feel incredibly emboldened and empowered to push uh, unilaterally and harder than maybe they ever have before. There is zero interest, as we've seen this time, in working toward the middle in trying to find consensus, and in passing legislation that helps all our Kansans. I think these maps are a great example of it. Um, they're, they're illegal. They're illegal on their face. I believe that the courts will have something to say about them. Um, I think that they put politics and party over the people, and I, I think ultimately they'll pay a price for it. I I woke up this morning feeling better than I have in a while because I think there are now four to six seats in central Arkansas that are in play. Okay, well, I'll come back to that, but let's go to those congressional maps, um, particularly the ones that, uh, I guess the aspect of the map that um, carves Pulaski County into three different congressional districts. Sebastian County was already split at this point in time, although there's not a lot of happiness in Sebastian County for being split, but the, the three uh, district split in Pulaski County is what many people point to as the basis for a federal lawsuit. Will the Democratic Party of Arkansas, under your leadership, be a, a leader in that litigation? Will you be participating in that litigation? Uh, I think the strategy behind that is still being developed, but certainly we are part of the conversation on how that strategy is being developed and will play whatever role it is necessary for us to play to make that litigation successful. Uh, Legislative redistricting is still um, underway, probably be towards the end of the year before this is uh, accomplished. I think right now there's 78 Republicans in the the House. There's 27 Republicans in the Senate. They're in charge of redrawing those district lines. And by my math, I feel like they could get um, closer to 85 in the House, over 30 in the Senate if they did it the way they wanted to. Um, what's going to lead Democrats out of this political wilderness that they have been in for the last couple of cycles? Well, I I think we've got to get back to communicating with our Kansans about who we are and what we stand for. Um, I believe that we've seen over the last 18 months, excuse me, a Republican party that is woefully out of step with what the vast majority of our Kansans want. They represent a small but incredibly vocal minority of people who believe in things like avoiding getting a vaccination, uh, not allowing children to wear masks in schools for their own protection. And I think that the danger um, for the Republican Party is that there is and always has been a middle in Arkansas that maybe doesn't vote as regularly as any of us would like. And I think at some point here fairly soon, those people are going to wake up and they're going to have something to say. Let's talk about what your other priorities are for the Democratic Party right now. I would imagine fundraising is a priority. I would imagine candidate recruitment uh, is a priority. Where do you think the the state of things are right now on those two fronts and whatever else you may be uh, establishing as a priority? I have been... Not quite surprised, but overjoyed at the fundraising response in in just the last week. Um, We have county parties out there raising money for the first time in a long time. Um, It's been fun going to the mailbox, I'll tell you that, for the last five days. Um, We are going to get our ship righted, we're going to get our financial house in order, and then we're going to be ready to fight. And we've got fantastic candidates all over the state. We have more and more every day showing up and saying they want to run. 
Um, and so we're going to get serious about recruiting candidates. Um, we're going to get serious about winning races. That is Grant Tenniel. He is the new Democratic Party of Arkansas chairman, appearing on a recent episode of Talk Business and Politics with Roby Brock. John L. Fulmer was elected chairman of the Republican Party of Arkansas in December. Fulmer was invited to be a guest on the TV program in a joint appearance with Tennille. However, a scheduling conflict prevented her from participating. She has been invited to appear in the near future. In other news this week, Walmart announced that it has created a dedicated online hub for selling Netflix merchandise, marking the biggest step yet by the streaming giant to grow its retail business. Springdale-based United Bank is planning to build its first Bentonville branch. The company has locations in Fayetteville, Rogers, and two in Springdale. An informal groundbreaking is planned October 18th. And the University of Arkansas announced the death of Doyle Williams, former dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. He was 81 years old. Williams was the Walton College dean from 1993 through 2005. He helped secure a $50 million gift in 1998 from the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation, at the time the largest cash gift given to a U.S. business college. For more news, visit us online at nwabusinessjournal.com, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that is the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. We have landed in mid-October. Still plenty of great music taking place. Live music around the area to help us navigate through all that great live music is Timothy Dennis. Welcome, Timothy. Thank you, Kyle. How are you today? I know it's a cliche, but it's really hard for me to believe that it is mid-October. It feels like it should be September 2nd. I would say it feels like it should be January 23rd, but, you know, (laughs) who's counting days here? That's right. That's right. Uh, I tell you, someone who's counting days, it's going to be people performing at Turnbow Park. They're playing tonight. It's going to be a rock and roll show featuring Garden Snakes and Witch Sister. That'll be one of the louder ones at Turnbow Park. Yeah, it's going to get a little bit loud on Emma Avenue, but that's okay. I like it. It's part of the Live at Turnbow series, so admission is free. It gets underway at 6 o'clock this evening. Again, that's at Turnbow Park in downtown Springdale. Moving to the south, Majestic in Fort Smith is going to have one heck of a bill with a lot of Okies on it, featuring John Fulbright, Jacob Tovar, Paul Benjamin, and Jesse Acock. They're calling it John Fulbright and the Tulsa Review told me not to be afraid of dying but one day I looked up and my sky was empty oh that sounds amazing yeah tickets are $25 today that'll get underway at 8.30 tonight again that's at Majestic in Fort Smith If you'd like to see all of that lineup twice, they are doing the same thing tomorrow night at George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville. Ooh, wow, okay. Tickets are, for that show at George's, are $20 today. They go up to $25 tomorrow. That show also gets underway at 8.30 p.m. Now that we're talking about tomorrow night, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville for their happy hour show tomorrow is going to feature Honey Jack. That's the happy hour. That is the happy hour. Uh... Admission for that is $8. That'll get underway at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. Moving up to Bentonville, Fred's Hickory Inn tomorrow night is going to have Richard Burnett on stage. If you don't know him, he is a great local picker. He's played with damn near everybody in the listening area. Uh, That show at Fred's Hickory Inn gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's in Bentonville. Over in Rogers, Rail Yard Live is going to have MK Ultra on stage. If you don't know who that is, it's Ben Miller from the Ben Miller Band and mm-hmm. Pat Kay of the Kay Brothers. And that's outside and that's free. Exactly, exactly. 
That being at Rail Yard Live, that will get underway at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's in downtown Rogers. Moving forward to Saturday, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have Andy Frasco and the UN on stage. If you've never seen Andy, he puts on highly orchestrated chaos on stage. I would say that is the best way to describe it. All right. Tickets for that show are $20 in advance. They go up to $25 on Saturday. That'll get underway at 8.30 Saturday evening. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. Still in Fayetteville Saturday night, Prairie Street Live is going to have kind of a funky, jammy rock show on stage featuring Monk is King and Foggy Bobcat. Tickets for that show. show. That's going to be a good show. Tickets for that show are $10 in advance. They go up to $15 on Saturday. That gets underway at 7 o'clock Saturday evening at Prairie Street Live in Fayetteville. Up in Springdale, another show at Turnbow Park. Uh, It's part of the Brews and Tunes Festival that they're doing down there, which features local tunes and local brews. This festival is going to feature music from Ship. DJ RS and the Irie Lions. I would like to spend some time with you. Time with you. Overstanding our points of view. Points of view. All the things that we've been going through. Come on over, let's just start brand new. I think I've gone to this every year they've had it, mm-hmm. and it's never disappointed. Always been a beautiful day, so hopefully that continues. So tickets for Brews and Tunes, they start at $10. They go up from there depending on what you want to do, like how much you want to drink, what have you. Uh, That gets underway at 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon. Again, that's at Turnbow Park in downtown Springdale. Okay, I promised we would talk about the last show at Rail Yard Live. Uh, They're ending the season Saturday with music from 4 to 10 p.m., and they're featuring wow. music from Full House and Earth, Wind, and Fire tribute and Trout Fishing in America. It was Cinco de Mayo And I was down on the bayou With my good friend Venus de Milo We were watching Hawaii Five-O She wanted some French fry-yo so it's like a fireworks display, right? You, at the end, you just boom, boom, boom. Exactly. And that's what they're going to be doing. Exactly, okay. exactly. Again, that show Saturday starts a little bit earlier. It starts at 4 p.m. That is at Rail Yard Live in downtown Rogers. Moving over to Eureka Springs, Chelsea's Saturday night is going to have the band Pretend Friend on stage. They're a bluegrass band from Kansas. What <laughs> name. That show at Chelsea's gets underway at 9 o'clock Saturday evening. Still in Eureka Springs Saturday, the Gravel Bar is going to have the Lonesome Narrows on stage. They're kind of a local-ish country and western band. That show gets underway at 7 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. Then down in Winslow Saturday evening, Ozark Folkways is going to have the Barbaloots on stage. Oh, the Barbaloots! Yes. Ed the wrecker worked every day. His job was demolition. 
Making old buildings go away was his life's only mission. Wrecking ball, five feet tall, big crowbar makes him swoon. Up to the edge, he swings his sledge, and his hammer went kaboom. That show, of course, they asked for donations at Ozark Folkways to support Ozark Folkways and the musicians. Uh, that will get underway at 6 o'clock Saturday evening. Again, that is down in Winslow. Sunday, George's Majestic Lounge of Fayetteville is going to have a rock and roll show featuring Olympics, Fight Dream, and Moonsong. We'll hear more about that show on Friday's Ozarks at Large. Yep. But just know that that is a free show and it gets underway at 9 o'clock Sunday evening. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. Happening up in Springdale Sunday afternoon, kind of early evening. Uh, it's a continuation of the partnership between Music Moves and Crystal Bridges. So this week they are going to feature the local Latin pop band La Fiesta. And that, that's Sunday too. Is it? it is okay, Sunday. Gotcha. Uh, gets underway at 5 o'clock. Again, that's at Murphy Park in Springdale. And then over in Eureka Springs... Sunday, uh, New Delhi Cafe is going to have Jenna and the Soul Shakers on stage. My goodness, Sunday used to be a day when nothing was happening. Right, right. Lately, Sundays yeah. and Thursdays seem like they have been uh, waking up for some reason. <laughs> All right. Uh, and that should take care of us for the next several days. Timothy Dennis brings us updates on live music in the area most Thursdays. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you, Kyle. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. Washington Regional Her Health Clinic provides personalized care for women by women, including wellness visits, prenatal care, deliveries, and more. Located in the Washington Regional Women and Infant Center in Fayetteville, wregional.com slash herhealth for services, providers, and appointments. Arkansas Community Foundation partners with attorneys, CPAs, and other financial advisors to help their clients achieve philanthropic goals and maximize tax savings. This process can be easy, flexible, and efficient. ARCF.org slash advise for more information. Arkansas's volleyball team, 14-4 and four so far in 2021, will play the fifth-ranked Kentucky Wildcats twice in Lexington this weekend. Kentucky currently in first place in the SEC standings. Arkansas is currently third. The Razorbacks' next home match is Wednesday night against Missouri in Barnhill Arena. The University of Arkansas Fort Smith volleyball team covers some miles this weekend. They have a Friday night match at Eastern New Mexico in Portales. Then, just 14 hours later, they'll be in Canyon, Texas for a Saturday afternoon match against Western Texas A&M. UAFS enters this weekend 8-9 and nine so far this year. UAFS will return to Fort Smith for home matches a week from tomorrow night. And the John Brown University volleyball team also has one of those really unenviable Friday night, Saturday afternoon road trips. First, they go to Goodwill, Oklahoma for a match with Oklahoma Panhandle State, then on to Plainview, Texas to meet Wayland Baptist University. Now, in case you were curious, and I was, that's a combined 3,440 miles covered by the three volleyball teams to their matches and back home this weekend. In 1999, the music industry began cranking out Latin music meant to crossover. How do we make it Latin without being too Latin? Some of the inspiration came from strange places. Outside, inside, out. I was channeling more so. We unpack Pop's Latin explosion. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. It's Been a Minute with Sam Sanders, now heard Saturday mornings at 10, directly following Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And right before... Terry Gross and Fresh Air Weekend, Saturday mornings at 11. All Saturday morning on KUAF, and you can listen by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF. Later on this Thursday on KUAF, Peter Vandegraaff will select nine consecutive hours of great classical music for us. In the first hour, beginning at 8 tonight, he's picked some opera, 19th century opera inspired by Hamlet. Classical music tonight from 8 until tomorrow morning at 5 on KUAF, and by accessing the KUAF stream on the free KUAF app. And by the way, the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas, Sona, just about ready to end its year-and-a-half pandemic-induced sabbatical from the Walton Art Center stage. Sona musicians have been performing together in smaller ensembles and online and in other forms for the past several months, but the official Sona concert season for the 2021-22 season starts Friday night, November 5th. And the symphony is picking a pair of stalwarts for the return. The concert is titled 
Mozart, and Beethoven. You can learn much more at sonamusic.org. Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. Music is enough for a lifetime, but a lifetime is not enough for music. A famous quote by Russian composer Sergei Rachmaninoff. We started Sound Perimeter today with Variation 18 from his piece Rhapsody on a Theme of Paganini, Opus 43. Rachmaninoff wrote this piece for piano and orchestra inspired by the early 19th century violin virtuoso Niccolo Paganini, Caprice No. 24. His rhapsody is written in 24 variations, and in each of those variations, the composer changes something about the original theme. Variation 18 is written for piano solo. With its tenderness and expressiveness, Variation 18 is the most known and cherished part of the entire work. That was Sergei Rachmaninoff's Variation 18 from his Rhapsody on a Theme of Paganini, Opus 43, written in 1934 and inspired by virtuoso violinist, guitarist, and composer Niccolo Paganini's famous Caprice No. 24, interpreted by Ukrainian pianist Valentina Lisitsa as part of her performance with the London Symphony Orchestra. Niccolo Paganini wrote his 24 caprices around 1807. This piece is considered one of the most difficult works ever written for the solo violin. The most known caprice of this collection is number 24, and besides being used by Rachmaninoff and Brahms and Liszt and other for variations, it has been transcribed multiple times for different instruments, always highlighting the virtuoso, a highly skilled performer, and the virtuoso performance, one that astonishes the audience by its feats. Let us listen to Paganini's Caprice 24, this time in the hands of Colombian cellist Santiago Cañón Valencia, on an encore live performance from back in 2014, when he was 19 years old. <laughs> 
was Colombian cellist Santiago Cañón Valencia on an encore live performance of Paganini's Caprice 24, originally written for the violin. There are virtuosos in every musical genre, and we hope for a life long enough to enjoy them. We close Company Mirror today with one of them, American bassist, songwriter, and record producer, five times Grammy winner and founding member of the group Bella Fleck and the Fleck Tones, Victor Wooden, and his original piece, The Lesson, making the bass sound like no one does, with virtuosism, emotion, and commitment. This is Leah Uribe, associate professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with sound perimeter. is Ozarks at Large. How do you get 150 years of University of Arkansas history into one exhibit? Well, you don't. Amy Allen, University Archivist for the University Library Special Collections Division, says it's impossible to capture the full 150 years, but she has curated as much as one exhibit allows 
for a display in the Helen Robson Walton Reading Room in Mullins Library on the U of A campus. It's up in time for homecoming weekend, which is this weekend, and the exhibit will remain up through December. The University of the Ozarks clay target shooting team can claim a national championship, too. Actually, the squad last weekend won the Collegiate National Championship in International Skeet and in International Trap Bunker. The team in the overall competition finished sixth nationally. Those two trophies, the one for Clay and the other for Trap Bunker, represent the first team national championships in school history. Enrollment for a pair of tech boot camps at Northwest Arkansas Community College now open. The boot camps will last 18 weeks each and are designed to focus on skills in demand by hiring tech managers. The course description says the virtual classroom setting will offer personalized and individualized attention from industry professionals. NWAC's partner for the boot camps, and the first one begins a week from today, is Prominio Tech. More information about the courses can be found at prominiotech.com slash NWACcoding.com. Boot camps. That's a mouthful. Let me give that to you again. Prominiotech.com slash NWAC coding boot camps. And tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, something that's kind of low tech but very important. A Eureka Springs couple has successfully raised thousands of monarch butterflies from very tiny eggs, releasing them into the wild. With everyone you let go, you feel this sense that you've accomplished something for them and and to keep them in existence. Monarchs will help us fly into the weekend on a Friday edition of Ozarks at Large. That's tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m. on KUAF, and of course streaming live at KUAF.com. KUAF is supported by Merton's Eye and Optical, a full-service eyewear boutique in Fayetteville, offering comprehensive eye exams, contact lenses, and a thoughtfully curated collection of luxury eyewear and sunglasses. More information on services and exclusive eyewear lines at mertenseye.com. Guitarist, singer, songwriter Gary Clark Jr. comes to the Walmart Amp on Saturday, October 23rd. Fusing blues, rock and soul music with elements of hip-hop, Clark's most recent release, This Land, earned three Grammy Awards, including Best Contemporary Blues Album. Tickets available at amptickets.com or 443-5600. This is KUAF 91.3 Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Green Forest. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas, and Ozarks at Large is a production of KUAF. Timothy Dennis produced today's show. Contributors included Jacqueline Froelich, Timothy Dennis, and Leah Uribe. Timothy Dennis also produced today's edition of Sound Perimeter. The Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report with Paul Gatling comes to us each Thursday through our partnership with Talk Business and Politics. It's produced by Stephanie Brock. We have a weekend version on Weekend Ozarks at Large. That's Sunday morning at 9. Our Ozarks at Large theme written and performed by Daryl Sean. And before we go today, a big, big welcome to a new member of the KUAF team today, Jasper Logan comes in to the Carver Center for Public Radio as our first ever community engagement leader, and we cannot wait to work with him. To tell you the truth, he'd been here about 90 seconds before he gave us an incredible idea that we're going to get to work on immediately. Stay tuned. We can't tell you about it yet, but it is going to be fantastic. Jasper, welcome to KUAF. Thank you for spending time with KUAF and Ozarks at Large. We will be back with you to end a work week tomorrow at noon and 7 on KUAF, and by always asking your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. From the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Callums.